Merry Christmas to all, and hello and welcome to the Crew Review Podcast, the Columbus Crew post-game show where me and another writer from Massive Report review the crew. I'm your host, Andrew Atkins, and joining me today, a man who earned this privilege, a man who earned the honors of, of being here on the, the MLS is back, Cruise Miss kickoff, and he earned the honors by whooping me, just absolutely embarrassing me in the Crew Legends fantasy draft. He is none other than Adam Miller, the, the winner of the inaugural first ever Crew Legends fantasy draft, and it wasn't even close. Adam, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, doing well. It's good to have MLS soccer back, good to have the crew back, and good to be the, uh, the inaugural winner and be back with you. I missed it, so I'm excited to, to get into it. And it's Christmas. I mean, there's, there's no more exciting time of year other than uh, MLS Cup for a crew fan. And we'll get to it, but, you know, not the most exciting game. Well, yeah, that's not fair to say, actually. The game itself was exciting, but there's, there's some stuff that, that leave, leave a little bit to be desired, and we're, we're going to get into that. Actually, let, let's just get into it first. It's a, it's a 0-0 draw. Uh, Columbus Crew versus Philadelphia Union, the MLS Cup winners versus the Supporter Shield winners, and, and you're expecting a great game. Before we break down the match, you know I like to go to my emotional overreactions. I, I like to, to keep it raw, keep it fresh, and, and find out exactly how you're feeling emotionally coming out of the matchup. So I'm going to ask you shut off that analytical side of your brain for just a second. Reach down into your heart. Pretend you're on Twitter. And tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. What was your emotional overreaction to today's match? I think, well, my emotional overreaction is that the crew are the best team in the East. And I don't think it's going to be very close. I think the team you saw today was not, I wouldn't say, anywhere close to our our best 11. Um, And I thought there were long periods of the game where we were much better than Philly, who I think is going to be right there at the top again. So, um, that's my overreaction. Doesn't it feels kind of weird saying that after a after a nil nil draw, um, but but that's I, I really feel good actually based off of what I saw today. So yeah, I think we're the best team in the East. I feel good too, but I'm I'm gonna emotionally overreact and and actually it's kind of I, I typed it down and as I was typing it, I looked back up to my TV and I saw the reaction of uh, Derek Etienne Jr. and a couple other crew players right as that final whistle blew. And they reminded me a little bit of uh, Kai Kamara following the, uh, the MLS Cup loss. They looked pretty devastated. Like, for, for a nil-nil draw, they looked like they just come, came off of a, a really huge defeat. And that was my emotional overreaction, actually, was this was a draw that felt like a loss. Yes, it was. And I don't think you'll find many crew fans who argue with that, I think, of the two teams, Philadelphia is probably happier. And I think, to be honest, that's probably a good spot to be in as a, as a crew fan and as a crew player. I think you'd rather be frustrated with, with um, you know, a tie on opening day than, than be thrilled about it. So um, it is, it's, it's certainly more frustrating, but I think it's a good sign of things to come, perhaps. And it's a frustration that's left because Columbus clearly, in my opinion, and I think, I think we're feeling the same way, looked like the better team, the much better team. And that's what we're going to get into as we break down the match. Yeah, I thought so. I thought, I thought they were much better for the majority of the game. There were a couple moments and it still didn't look great on, on defensive set pieces. And we'll, we'll get into all that. But um, I, think, I think certainly Coach Porter and some of the guys will feel good about things today. Yeah, so emotions out of the way. Let's do it. First crew review 
of the MLS season for 2021. I'm excited to – we what a road ahead of us we have, and, and I can't wait. I can't wait for this season. I'm so excited. So here we are, the first career review for 2021 MLS season. Here is your starting lineup for Columbus Crew SC versus Philadelphia Union, a game where actually Massive Report put out an article saying uh, – MLS, this is what you should be doing every season. You should be doing the, the MLS Cup winners versus the Supporter Shield holders every season. And uh, while I was watching, I was watching on uh, FS1, and the commentators actually had the same exact conversation where they said, why is MLS not doing this every year? And also, why is this game uh, one of the last matches of the week instead of the kickoff match? This should be on Friday by itself. No argument there. Th- this was a huge matchup that should have kicked off your season. I, have, I think it's a great idea. I think it would be something that everybody would look forward to. I think the counter-argument, knowing the MLS is, well, it's Columbus and Philadelphia, not, you know, L.A. and Seattle. So they got to do it kind of at the back end. That's just the way the MLS rolls. But it, I think it's other, fantastic. Yeah. It, I, think, it, I think it would be great. It would. And the other problem is what would you do in 2022 when crew is the MLS cup champion and supporter field winners, they can't just play themselves and the CONCACAF champions league winners. It would be, it would be a problem for sure. I mean, we could, we could see the the crew depth is so deep that we could do a, we could do an A team B team match. I'd be down. Broadcasting a a crew inter squad scrimmage on national television would be more fun than watching half the teams in the league. (laughs) I got sidetracked already. I mean, (laughs) we're a couple minutes into the pod. I'm already down a, down a weird road, but let's do it. (laughs) Starting lineups. The, uh, the goalkeeper, as always, Eloy room. Then defensively, we have Milton Valenzuela. We had Josh Williams. We had Jonathan Mensa, who I typed in as Eloy room. So apparently Eloy room played some defense as well. And we had Harrison awful. Uh, the defensive mid, we had the debut for MLS. We've seen him a couple times in CCL. We had Perry Kitchen uh, alongside our tour. And then the attacking midfield, we had Pedro Santos, Lucas Zellerian, Luis Diaz, and the striker, as always, Yassi Zardes. How did you feel about the lineup when it was released? What were your feelings going into that? And we already knew, uh, of course, why not? Darlington Magby not available for today. Uh, Vito Warmhor, I don't, is he ever available, ever going to be available? So no big surprises. And also Kevin Molino, uh, also not available. So what I, before I get to your opinion, I know I asked it and then I started talking. <laughs> I was looking through some old tweets today and I saw a tweet I put out about mid season last year of our, uh, our injury reserves is looking like a really good starting 11. That's the case in week one already. So uh, how how were you feeling, though, about the lineup when you saw it? I think it was about what we expected just from a a personnel standpoint and with all the injuries going on to Molino and Morris and Nagby and, you know, all those guys. So um, I felt relatively confident. I mean, I think it's a a good thing that uh, ownership and, and Porter and everybody went out and got some some valid replacements this offseason um, for some of those guys. So felt okay. I mean, I didn't it was it was what we expected. So I don't know if I had too much of a reaction to it. I still felt confident we would be able to to take three points from it. Yeah, and Perry Kitchen was kind of the more unknown, I suppose, in this lineup. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, I've been playing a lot of FIFA and Perry Kitchen's on my field because in my in my FIFA world, our tour's injured right now. So yeah. In FIFA, Perry Kitchen, he, he, he plays all right, but he was interesting to see in the match. And I think that 
I think that looking at this lineup tells the whole story of the match to come. And when they interviewed Porter in the second half, he kind of, he touched on it, which is our, our defensive mid is not doing a good job controlling this game. And mm-hmm. we have seen that notoriously happen when Darlington Nagby's off the pitch. So I, I think that kind of tells this tale a little bit. But the only other thing I'll, I'll say about the lineup, just a broad strokes generalization of the game, Luis Diaz is a substitute if you're looking at a full healthy crew. And that's incredible if you watch him play. It that's is. incredible. It is. And I think, I think Diaz probably starts on the majority of teams, teams in the league. And I think that's what the crew – again, front office and coaching staff are trying to do is, you know, basically monopolize guys and just say, you know, it doesn't matter first, second, first, second or third string. We've got guys who can, who can beat you and get action. Diaz was fantastic today for sure. It would have been interesting to see if a uh, healthy Aiden Morris would have got the start over kitchen, but uh, we can't live in ifs, ands and buts. What we can do is review the crew. So speaking right. of Luis Diaz, 28 seconds into the matchup, Diaz forces a save. And uh, Diaz forces the save is something we'll hear quite a few times throughout this matchup or or a a crew player forcing a save. Diaz came out of the gate hot. And uh, it's not much longer than that. Diaz earns a free kick that's taken by Zellerian. I believe it's the uh, seventh minute. And it it ends up forcing another early save from Andre Blake. Zellerian gets a shot on goal. We have a lot of this happening. We have another free kick. Throughout throughout much of the game, we have free kicks by Zellerian on goal with with Andre Blake having to come up. And you and I were texting back and forth a little bit through the match. And I, I said that I think a midseason form, Lucas Zellerian would have seen this match with a win with as many chances as he got from dangerous positions with those free kicks. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and obviously the free kicks and just his, his quality and like the – like the last pass or the last move we saw it uh, in the first half, he hit the top of the crossbar, I think. And that looked like normal mid season Zellariana. I think he's still working his way back into things as, as the majority of the guys are. I mean, it's, it's the competition jump from um, Real Esteli to Philadelphia union, I think is pretty big. So I think there was not only was Zellariana, but with him specifically, there, there seemed to be a little bit of shaking off the rust in the attacking third for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, your response to me in my text was, I think Zellerand looked good, and, and I did too. We're just so used yeah. to Zellerand looking great. And and I'm not taking anything away from That's his right. performance. He's great. But this match, I'd say he was, he was good, not great. And uh, so crew come out in the first half, setting the pace, controlling the match. Not the typical style that we like to see Porter play. It was a much more uh, – I believe Porter said himself a much more ping pong style where Philly would get the ball run at us. We'd get the ball run at Philly, not the way Porter likes to play soccer and not the way crew typically functions. I think that comes from a lack of Darlington Nagby really being able to control that midfield the way that he does. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think you referenced um, the interview with Porter in the middle of the second half. He, he, was talking a lot about transition, which I think the crew were dangerous in transition and did a good job of limiting it for Philly. But to your point, I don't really think that's our, our strength. And I think Nagby specifically helps 
us kind of calm down a little bit and, and stay on the ball, maybe be a little bit more patient. I know there was one time, I remember if it was the first or second half, but you could you could hear Porter on the uh, FS1 broadcast screaming at somebody to be more patient. I think that was that's probably going to be what he says in the in the locker room or has said already, I guess at this point. But um, I think you know it's just the tough thing about when they're playing teams like Philly who want to be in transition all the time is that as soon as the crew win the ball back, they can, you know, it's open for them to go and transition the other way. So it can be tempting as a player, I'm sure, but you know, I don't, I don't think they executed perfectly what, what um, coach Porter would have, would have set out for him in the beginning of the game. Yeah. And you'll have that with a, with a squad that's not fully healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of things that aren't crew strength, uh, it's the 19th minute. Philadelphia gets a corner. This leads to Room's first big of the save, our, our big first big save of the game, uh, where Philly was looking pretty dangerous from those set pieces early on. Philly continued looking dangerous from set pieces throughout the entire match. We saw it a lot in 2020 where crew were not good at defending set pieces. I will say my big negative coming out of this matchup is set pieces continue to be something crew did not look great at defending. There were a lot of chances created for Philly off of corners or free kicks where crew got lucky or room had to come up with a, with a pretty big save. Yeah. I think that's the biggest um, question mark for me leaving today's game again. You know, like we said, they don't, they don't have everybody that's probably in their best 11, but um you know, it was something that, that we – I know we talked about it a lot last year. I feel like I wrote about it constantly in some of the game previews. I'm sure if anybody actually reads those, they're sticking me talking about it. But uh, <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's something to be addressed. You know, maybe not. I mean, I don't remember, to my recollection, uh, many times where they got burned on it last year. But I, I feel like it's a bit of uh, – you know, it's bound to happen eventually. don't want it to happen in a bad spot. So I'd like to see them sharpen it up a bit. Um, not sure entirely entirely how to do that, but um, I think it's it's concerning for sure. Pretty early on in the first half, we have a, a ball played into the box, and Diaz is just rushing that ball. I mean, that, that's something I love about this crew team. Not only Diaz, who it really sticks out because of the speed of Diaz, Jossie Zardes, when those balls were played down the pitch by Zellerian or or whoever was feeding him, the the hustle by Zardes today. I mean, he would go into 11th gear just rushing down that pitch. So we have this happening where Diaz is rushing a ball. Him and a Philly defender get tangled up, and uh, there's there's a quick VAR. It's ruled no penalty. Uh, there's, there's a few VAR instances we're going to touch on in this match. I'll call it up front. I think the refs did a great job in this match. I actually – I saw a couple crew fans complaining on Twitter about – uh, a later VAR that wasn't called. I thought it was absolutely the right call every time that that I think it went to VAR. We'll get your broad strokes before we get into that, but did yeah. you, were you screaming at the refs? I was freaking out. I, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, part of me obviously is, is bi- I'm incredibly biased, right, as, as are you and, and most people listening to this. There's for me that's a penalty every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I couldn't believe it. I was in shock, honestly, and it so <laughs> frustrates me. VAR is the most frustrating thing in the world. I don't, so you're saying they did check? I don't. I couldn't tell if they were checking it or not. I thought. I mean, I was shocked they didn't call it in in real time. The lead official did not end up going and checking. Uh, they had you could uh, 
they were checking on the sideline. I believe they ended up telling him there's nothing to look at here. So he didn't go to the VAR on that instance. He did a couple times later in the match, which we'll talk about. You know, I talk about Zellerion not being great, but a lot of chances created by Zellerion in this match. Uh, we're actually talking, uh, you mentioned it earlier, the 34th minute. Zellerion gets a good shot from distance that just grazes the crossbar. Uh, one of the best shots of the match for crew where, where it was looking really dangerous. But it seemed like uh, every time crew would get a good shot, Philly would rush down the pitch and, and answer with a shot. Uh, it was literally a minute later. Uh, Philly's, who I call the best player on the field for Philly tonight, uh, Montero, gets a skipping shot on goal that room handles. Then we have the next VAR instance that we'll talk about where <laughs> I see, I see your look already. You're, you're looking similar and, and disgust to when I drafted Steve Clark as my keeper <laughs> in the fantasy, which I fully believe that uh, that draft pick in the, in the fantasy legends draft is why I, handily got fourth place (laughs) sure didn't help you that's for sure (laughs) well we have this beautiful cross from awful who look i uh i get flack sometimes for being too hard on awful uh i did the game grades recently thomas costello uh texted me and said you don't like the columbus crew do you and uh, (laughs) you talk about being biased i try very hard to be unbiased uh, with this podcast or with my grading uh i had the task of grading the the second leg of the rail S the Lee competition. Mm. So I said, what did you want me to do? Did you want me giving out tens for that match? There was not a 10 in sight. Uh, yeah. Harrison awful. I gave a low grade to said he looked a step off, looked a little bit slower. Thomas said I should have included something in my article, which I should have, and I'm going to correct here. Awful is coming off of an injury rehab. So that should have been mentioned as much flack as I give Harrison awful though. Great game from Awful today, in my opinion. And uh, this this moment in the 37th minute created by Awful, who had just a beautiful cross in, uh, Valenzuela ends up connecting with Pedro Santos, who is fouled hard. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a real hard shoulder right into Santos, takes him out. Initially, it's called a penalty on the pitch, but this one does go to VAR with the lead official. Ends up coming back. The call is changed in two ways. One, a yellow card is given to Philadelphia. And secondly, it's ruled a free kick instead of a penalty. Where did you feel on this one? I think the, the, the thing that made me the most frustrated, again, being biased, was you know the call of penalty gets switched. That's a frustrating thing. I actually don't have a problem with the call. I have more of a problem with them looking at this one and not even looking at the one we talked. I don't want, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But they didn't even look at the other one. I don't, couldn't fathom it. But, um, you know, I think it was, at the end of the day, as frustrating as it is as a biased crew fan, I think it was probably the right call. Um, you know, but, but it's just, you know, it's the life of a crew fan is things sometimes are more frustrating than, than they would be in other circumstances. But I'm not going to complain too much because, um, again, I think it was the right decision. But just frustrating from a, from a purely crew fan biased perspective the right decision in two accounts it was definitely a yellow card and uh santos was or uh yeah santos was taken out right outside of the box so i thought that was another good call another free kick in a dangerous position by zellerian who 
I don't know how many times I'd have to say this in the match if I recapped every Columbus Crew shot on goal. He fires it directly at Andre Blake. <laughs> yeah, I think it was it was a bit of a letdown. I know I every time Zellerion steps up to free, take a free kick, I think of the one he took against uh, uh, Cincinnati in, in Orlando last year. So, I, I mean, clearly high expectations. I think that one was a bit of a letdown. Um, but from that close, like he's just outside the 18, it's, it's – Stuff because it's really hard to get it, you know, over the wall and down under the crossbar. So, um, I mean, I'm sure he did the best with what he what he thought he had in him. It's a tough shot, but they all looked good. Every time he got an opportunity, they looked good. I think I'm the same way. When you see something like he delivered against Sensei, you just you just want it every single time. So when you don't yeah. get it, when you don't get it, it's disappointing. Uh, not much longer after that, Zellerion displays a beautiful ball through. To, uh, to Luis Diaz, who Andre Blake just barely beats him to. We saw a lot of that, just dangerous balls being played in where Philly just barely beats the crew, and that takes us into halftime. I'm going to ask you, before I give my opinion, how were you feeling going into half? I felt great. I thought we were way better than Philadelphia, especially in the first half. Um, I, I kind of felt like it was more of a matter of time than anything else. Um, you know, clearly that was incorrect, but, um, you know, I felt, I felt pretty good. I didn't feel like we gave up anything too dangerous outside of set pieces and felt like we were, especially towards the end of the half, felt like we were creating more and more. So it was feeling good. Um, ultimately didn't, didn't work out, but I felt great going into halftime. I did too. I thought this is Columbus Crew's match to win. It's only a matter of time. Same things you already said. And, and I, I felt that all the way through the nineties. I mean, this was Crew's match to win and, uh, we talked about it earlier. I'm gonna. We have a little uh, a group text uh, with me and and the massive report, but the massive report bad boys club. It's me, Thomas Costello, uh, Doug Hildreth, and you. And Thomas was at the match covering the game for Massive Report, which big kudos to him. That's awesome for him. And uh, he ended up texting, "Man, Andre Blake is good." And I said, "Yeah, he really is." So I wish that Columbus would quit kicking the ball directly at him. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I think we had one, one shot in the entire match where Blake had to move to block that. And uh, that's, it's frustrating because you have players like Zardes, you have players like Bradley Wright Phillips, you have players like Lucas Zellerian, Pedro Santos, who are really good at tucking a ball in the, in the corner of the net. But tonight they just, they didn't get it done. And, and, We'll talk more about it. We'll talk more about it as we get into it. The second half, we do have, like I said, we had shot for shot pretty much going on during the second half, especially. Santos gets a shot in that gets deflected. That causes Blake to have to save. Seconds later, there's a shot from Philly that uh, it, it skips into room. Oh, no, that one was actually – it was rocketed into room. So we're, yeah. we're having more of, that, more of that shot for shot. 52nd minute, Diaz strips Philly and uh, just – bolts down that pitch I it's hard to describe what Diaz does with words because the speed is ridiculous uh, another great through ball just a hair too hard we saw that and that's that kind of stuff where I'm saying this is match one of MLS so we're not seeing mid-season form we're seeing the beginning of a season form where we had so many I, I don't know I don't know how many but we had so many of these through balls or crosses that were just a, a touch too hard, 
Yes. They weren't way ahead of Zardes. They were inches ahead of Zardes or inches ahead of Diaz. And this was another one of them where Philly beats them to it. And that's a couple matches into a season, I think Zardes is connecting with these balls. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it, it, the – I feel just from obviously watching a ton of soccer and whatever else, it's always harder for attacking players to, like, be on their top form right away, if that makes sense. It does. I think that's pretty common over, you know, the MLS certainly and, and you know, leagues in Europe and things. And I think today is a great example of that from the Cruz perspective. Like, you know, you're, you're mentioning through balls and passes. And, I you know, I think of, you know, Santos and Zellerion, like, just taking one too many touches when they're dribbling at guys or missing that final pass and, you know, things like that. And I think today's a good example of it's just, you know, the difference between a preseason match and an MLS regular season match and the difference between, you know, Real Esteli and Philadelphia are, I think are very big. And I think today's a, a product of, um, you know, now they have, that's their new normal. They have to get readjusted to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a longer off season than normal. There's so much that plays into this. Yeah. We're still living in a COVID world where training is not what it normally is. Nothing's what it normally is. So uh, speaking of Luis Diaz, this is where his night kind of takes a turn for the worse. There are two or three just really hard fouls in a row from Diaz where he ends up getting a yellow card for repeated infringement. And this is a yellow card that I feel like uh, he earned that yellow. I mean, he worked hard for that yellow. He was coming in. And, and fouling hard. I don't, how do you feel about that yellow card? And we'll get to another one here in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – I think the fouls are more of a product of the fact that he's just absolutely rapid. Like, that guy flies all over the place. So, when he makes contact with people, it's probably harder than your average foul. So, um, mm-hmm. some of them were stupid. Like, I think of the one where he was basically chasing the guy out of bounds and knocked him over. Like, that's kind of a dumb foul. I also appreciate that he's, you know, knows he's faster than that guy who's trying to get to the ball. So I can live with it. I'd rather not make a habit of it, though. And he's young. He's very young. And, yeah. and what I noticed from this match with Luis Diaz in particular, he was one of those players last season that you saw get knocked around a lot. Mm-hmm. Luis Diaz, nobody could keep up with him, so they fouled him. And I remember complaining about that last season. Of, I'm so sick of seeing Luis Diaz being mistreated out there. So I think we're seeing a, an increased aggression from Luis Diaz this year where he's like, hey, I'm going to knock some other guys around. And I can yeah. appreciate that. Uh, yeah. The last thing Diaz does of note in this matchup is Santos gets this, Pedro Santos gets this great cut back to Diaz who powers a shot in. But again, it's, it's real close to Blake. Blake doesn't have to do much to get the save. But that... I'd say it was probably the best shot of the night for the Columbus crew. I think it was the most dangerous. I think, I don't know if, if any analytics nerds listen to this, but in terms of like <laughs> expected goals, like a little number that people will throw out, I'm sure I haven't looked, but I'm sure that's the highest of the night. I shed a tear for our, for our good friend, Thomas Costello, um, hoping that Diaz, you know, eventually proves him right. And he certainly came close. You know, you mentioned early in the game and this one as well. Um, it's a matter of time, but I, I would have loved for that one to have, to have gone in. He's going to be so happy if Diaz finally gets that goal. And, I'm, and I'm I, more excited. I think I'm more excited to see his reaction to a Diaz goal than to actually, like, see Diaz score a goal. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I feel the same way. It's going to be so – it's going to be electric, his reaction. I've asked him to record himself watching crew matches so that we can <laughs> see the reaction live. The live stream. Yeah, so then uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say with Luis Diaz, 
a, a, a yellow card that I think is a little bit more justified, like the reasons you gave, the increased aggression, the speed. Uh, the, the next yellow card is one that uh, might earn a player on my worst best list today. And, and this is from, from Kitchen. Now, I don't think Kitchen had a bad game. When I say that a lot of the problems came from the defensive mid, that's not saying that Perry Kitchen had a bad game. That's saying that you're not Darlington Nagby. And, right. and it's very hard to find a Darlington Nagby. So I don't think he had a bad game. What I think, though, is the 61st minute, he gets fouled, and he gets fouled pretty hard. Gets up and shoves Montero. This ends up bringing Mensa in. Uh, Mensa gets a little shove for himself. Montero earns a yellow card. But this kind of seems to flip a switch in Kitchen where uh, he starts fouling himself. He starts playing a little bit more aggressive. And it's maybe two minutes after this initial shove that he earns himself a yellow card for repeated infringement. This yellow card bothered me because he was clearly, it was a reactive yellow card. He was very angry coming off of the foul to him, uh, gets up, shoves a player right there. That could, that could pick you up a yellow card. Ref just gives him a stern talking to, but this earns him a yellow card. What I ended up writing down was it was a very immature yellow card. How do you feel about this one? Are you, am I coming down a little too hard on him? No, I don't think you're too hard on him. I think it was probably – when he got fouled, the, the first one that you're talking about, when he got fouled, that was when the game kind of took a turn and, and got really chippy. And yeah. you know, everybody's now surrounding the ref after that. Um, I don't think you're being too hard on him. I think it was probably um, – I think there's better ways to get a yellow card than what he did. I also think that um, Porter probably brought him in to have a little bit of bite in the midfield, though just from a squad rotation standpoint. So that might be – I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Perry Kitchen get a yellow card this year. I guess that's <laughs> kind of what I'm saying. And it was a little immature, and he certainly worked himself into it. Um, but I, I, I'd be shocked if this is the only yellow card he gets this year. So we see – we end up seeing Diaz come off for at the end, most likely as a result of the yellow card, I'd assume, because Diaz's play was pretty good. Uh, Kitchen, there's nobody really to replace him at this point. You know, we don't have an Aiden Morris. Uh, so Kitchen ends up staying on the rest of the match. And not much longer after he gets a yellow, Kitchen fouls again. And this time, like you said, Philly is swarming the ref. They want that red card. Kitchen earns himself a, yeah. a real good talking to from the ref, does not end up getting a red card. And also, I think at that point, he calms down a little bit because you were seeing uh, his interactions with the ref as well. Uh, you're a former soccer player yourself. I'm a former soccer player, not at the level that you reached. The, the way you handle your interactions with the ref is going to go a long way. And the way yeah. he was handling his interactions with the ref, it, it, it was almost like, man, you trying to get that red card? <laughs> you trying to yeah. earn that red card right now, bud? Yes. I, I was notorious in my playing days. And if my mom's listening, she'll confirm um, for my poor handling of interactions with the referee. So um, this, this, this bothered me way more than the first yellow, by the way. I think this was, to your point, immature. Kitchen's been in the league for a long time. Um, and he, I think he should know a little bit better when you pick up a yellow, you have to simmer down a little bit, you know, cause on the wrong day you do something stupid or you do it enough and now you're sent off. Um, now we're playing down a man who knows what happened. So this, this one bothered me a lot more than the original yellow. Moving on from that, uh, I think we're both in full agreement with that. From here, 
it kind of we have another moment it's the 71st minute santos gets a really dangerous uh cross into zardes who this is this is the one jossie moment of the night where it's like oh bud it was it was right there at his feet and he had the defense beat but he just doesn't doesn't get to it I, i'm not sure exactly he just misses it skips past him philly clears it and uh from there philly starts really laying on the pressure uh, and that kind of lasts through the rest of the match where, you know, crew gets some chances, Philly gets some chances, uh, especially, I mean, once we hit that 90th minute mark, it is Philly coming in hot. I have yeah. four different shots where either the defense had to come up huge or Philly, uh, Philly got a shot where room had to come up. Um, other than that, the only real thing to talk about, you know, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, he made his debut for Columbus and the and, and MLS. We've seen him in CCL as well. Uh, a scary moment late in the match was uh, Santos ends up colliding with a Philly player who's sliding. Santos stays down for quite a while, which we're used to seeing with Santos. But when he does get back up, he's limping and he's actually pulled out of the match. And uh, we see the debuting Alexandru Matin, I believe. Matin, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I, I don't know. I'm not going to attempt. I'll, I'll leave that to you. You're the, you're the host. <laughs> <laughs> but we see him come into the match. Uh, so, so nothing super uh, uh, important, I guess, happened after that in the match. We just saw more of the same where some dangerous, dangerous set pieces from Philly almost cost the crew. But Room did. Room had himself a game. And yeah. uh, we saw Valenzuela come up massive and late late in the match and then uh, also Josh Williams and what I think was the moment I was watching and I got this feeling in the pit of my stomach where I'm like oh this is it this is how we lose this match uh, the defense was beat 92nd minute and uh, Philly looks like they're about to score last minute Superman Josh Williams comes flying in and uh, clears that ball out for a corner yeah it was it was I also had that feeling. I think it came off a bad turnover from someone in there. But when you're watching your team be, you know, counterattacked in the 92nd or third or whatever you said, minute of the game, it's never uh, something you enjoy feeling. So shout out to uh, to Mr. Williams. We Like you said, we've been texting. I said he might be my worst worst. And then he texted me after that. He said, you're still going to do that? So <laughs> that certainly provided some second thoughts for me for sure. Absolutely. So that's it. Whistle blows, 0-0, Columbus and Philly with the draw. It's, it's a result you don't feel great about if you watch the match because it's a match where you're, you're seeing Columbus being the dominant team, being the better team, and not being able to just put the stamp on it. So that, that's disappointing. But when you look at you're playing the supporter shield holders, you're playing a team that I believe had a plus 25 goal differential last season and a good team in Philadelphia that we saw in CCL with the 5-0 five, five aggregate score, just like Columbus, and they had a, a bit tougher competition. So you don't feel bad about the result unless you actually watch the match. You know, does that make sense? It does. I think if you if you just were given all that information and didn't watch, didn't check your phone, and then check the end of the, the score at the end of the game, you'd be like, okay, you know. I can live with that. Is. Yeah, I think and, – and I think we should be careful not to get too too greedy coming off the – back of a championship and all that. But I think that's kind of, again, this is an exciting thing from my perspective, like just the mark of a growing club and, a, you know, like you remember if, if we were talking about this game last year, I think we would have been like, yeah, it was 
you know, it's fine. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, see what happens next week. And now I think obviously coming off the back of a championship, knowing the talent we have on the field and in the, in the locker room and the coaching staff, I think is, is um, there's more expectation, which is a good thing. Yeah. And the, and the last we saw of Columbus crew and MLS competition was an absolute tear where they yes. were just, I mean, they, they made, they made a, a phenomenal team in Seattle Sounders look weak. So yes. we're, we're amazing. Yeah. We're a little spoiled. We're a little <laughs> spoiled. So I'm not, I'm not saying this was a bad match by any means. There's a lot to build on a lot to look forward to coming out of this match. I think this was a first match where you saw some of those first match mistakes cost mm-hmm. them a match that, I think later in the season they win this matchup. I agree. Yeah, I think to to me it all comes back to you know assume, the sooner that Santos, Zardes, Zelarion, Diaz, all those guys hit like you know top form or midseason form or whatever, that's when the results will start coming. But the other thing I'd, I'd add is Caleb Porter's teams traditionally are peaking at the end of the year, so I don't think that we're anywhere close to seeing the final product either. Nope, it's not a match. I, I and you might think of it listening to the podcast, especially with my overreaction being like, "This is a draw that felt like a loss." <laughs> I don't feel bad coming out of this matchup. I, I feel yeah. like we have a we have a hell of a season ahead of us that I'm really excited to get into. I'm really excited to watch. But for this match, we just have a few things left to touch on, and and one of those we talk about guys who are in form, aren't in form, and. And we're going we're gonna to really narrow in on a few key players here because it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the uh, – my co-hosts, I should say, their favorite segment because they get to put a crew player on a pedestal and then they have to put a crew player on blast, which I know I've had conversations off mic where guys are like, do, do we have to do this? Do we have to name a worse? And I'm like, yeah, we do. It's our responsibility. And uh, sometimes you just really hope – Sometimes you really hope that crew players aren't listening when you do it. But uh, Columbus is the greatest team the world has ever seen. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so we don't have best and worst here on this show. We have best, best, and worst, best. And uh, tonight, my best, best, I told you late in the match that I had a guy kind of etched in stone that he – he fell a little bit out of favor towards the end of the match, but I'm, I'm going to listen to my heart and I'm going to go with it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give my best best to Luis Diaz. He's a guy who uh, is putting in that work. He impressed the hell out of me throughout the CCL run thus far, continues to impress me in MLS. He, he's the vast majority of the offense and the attack when he's on the pitch goes through the right side of the field. And I think there is a reason for that. And that is his speed and that is his drive and his aggression. So for me, it was kind of a toss-up between him and Jonathan Mensah. Uh, I'll hold off on, on saying the reason I didn't pick Jonathan Mensah, but uh, Pedro Santos, also another really solid game for him. But I'm, I'm going Luis Diaz with my best best. Who do you have? I have uh, Captain Fantastic Jonathan Mensah. I thought he was good. I think he's been good for you know, a year now, he's been good. He was terrible when he got to Columbus and, and clearly has figured out the league and figured out what he needs to do to be successful. And um, there were a couple of, I know we had a couple maybe poor clearances and things like that, but, um, you know, obviously his play and I think his leadership is, is um, underappreciated by us. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it to him. Yeah. He, he was my second pick. 
And I think I'm unfair when it comes to defenders. And I think that's the, uh, the, the burden of being a defender in this, in, in any league, in any soccer team is uh, a defensive mistake can lead to a goal against you. Whereas yeah. an offensive mistake just leads to a missed chance. So the, the mistakes on defense really get honed in on. And uh, it was a clearance by Mensa that it, it was a really poor clearance. Low right to Philly ends up causing room to have to come up with the save that kind of swayed me from picking him. But Diaz had mistakes himself. So like you said, maybe, maybe a little underappreciated and a little unfair because a defender's mistake can lead to a goal where, like I said, an attacker's mistake just maybe leads to a missed opportunity. Yeah, and that's the nature of those those positions, I think. But, um, yeah, I think that's just kind of comes with the territory. I would also shout out um, Ruim. I thought he was good again today. There was one weird mix-up with – I think it was him and uh, Awful when he came out to grab a ball and it just, like, got through both of them. I don't know exactly what happened there, but made a big save on Bedoya at the end. And, you know, he's – in terms of reliable, he's up at the top of, of MLS keepers for sure. You know, I talked about defenders getting underappreciated. The fact that LA Room was not my best best is unforgivable. <laughs> it's unforgivable. What a match he had. I, I can't cha- – I can't – I have my own weird set of rules where once I say it, I'm not going to change it. LA Room should have been – LA Room should have been the best best. So well, we'll do honorable mention best best. Yeah, for sure, without a doubt. This next one, uh, there's a couple names floating around for me with the, uh, the worst best player of the night. I'm going strictly based off of not in this instance, I'm not even going off of play on the pitch. Cause I think this player had a, a relatively good match. I'm going strictly off of maturity and the fact that uh, you have to, especially being a veteran, especially being an older, an older guy, he's not Luis Diaz's age. He's somebody who I expect a little bit more from and, and I'm giving my worst best to Perry kitchen. And then, it's solely based off the fact that he seemed like towards for about a five, five or 10 minute stretch, he was really out there working towards a red card and yes. you are the next man up for Darlington Nagby. So for one, that's giant shoes to fill. Secondly, Aiden Morris, the 19 year old wonder child is out for an entire season with injury. If you get a red card, who's stepping into that central defensive mid? I don't know who it would have been today. I trying to think of who was on the bench. I don't think they had another one on there yeah, that so can you, play that role at least. Right. And you have Nagby potentially probably coming back very soon. I, I don't think he's supposed to miss a whole lot of time, but we've also seen, I, I think last year there were like three solid weeks in a row where Nagby was supposed to come back. So yeah. when not only are you in an important role on the field and you don't want your team to go down to 10 men and play a man down, but you are kind of the last line of defense at this point for that position with, with both Nagby and Morris being off of the team right now. So that was really disappointing to me. And I, like you said, I don't think this is the last we're going to see of kitchen. And I don't think this is the last yellow we're going to see, but I hope that uh, I hope he gets a good talking to from Porter and I hope we don't see quite that level of immaturity again. So that is the reason I'm giving him my worst best. And uh, who do you have? I want you to let me know if I'm being too harsh here because I think there's a chance I might be. Don't this guy, do not have me as the guide for that because oh, you, the number one complaint I have is you don't even act like you like the Columbus crew. And it's like, <laughs> I love the crew. I right. love them. 
right. I know what you mean, but but in all seriousness, this is I think this is a little harsh. I think this is probably the best bet from my perspective, though. I'm gonna give it to Derek Etienne Jr. Um, I did not think he was very good when he came on. I know he I don't remember exactly when he came on. Pretty um, late. But it was it was pretty late. He, you know, it's a tough spot to come on. He wasn't really in the flow of the game, but he had several turnovers. Um, including the one that we were just talking about that, that Williams kind of saved his butt on. So um, I think it's a little bit harsh um, of me being upfront about it. I think it's probably a little harsh, but I, I think in terms of performance, I don't think anybody was um, worse than him. I guess if, if you're going to make me pick someone who's on for 90 minutes, I might go Josh Williams just because I thought he was pretty sloppy in possession. But um, I don't have yeah. any rules. I'm doing 1A and 1B. I don't, I don't force. So you're, you're going out of your way to say players that were bad. See, I try. It's hard for me to name one. You're, you're just going out there. No, you know, I, I tend to avoid giving worse to subs. I've given best to subs in the past when they come on and really make a difference. Uh, Being a sub's difficult. Like you said, you're not in the flow of the match. You don't know if you're even coming on the pitch and then you don't have 90 minutes to prove yourself. So I, I'm not going to knock the pick of Derek Etienne Jr. This is a match that actually, uh, despite the fact that maybe we came at it from a, a bit of a negative standpoint, it was hard to pick a worse because it wasn't a bad performance. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think that's why I'm stretching a little bit with, with Etienne Jr. and Williams, frankly. But um, nobody was, like you said about Zellerion, nobody, he wasn't bad. He was good. He wasn't great. I don't think there was anybody that was bad. They're just – weren't enough people that were very good or great today. This is a championship winning team. This is a championship caliber team that has been built on with more championship level talent. The fact that we have, I've said this in the past, but the fact that Bradley Wright Phillips is a backup in Columbus, what a great time to be a Columbus crew fan. So <laughs> the, the whole nature of the worst best. And the reason I call it the worst best is because I expect greatness from Columbus crew. So the whole nature of it is we're really having a nitpick most of the time. I mean, last season it was easy. We had Fernando Adi on the team, but it's, it's a, it's a position that you kind of have to nitpick. And I'm not going to lie. At one point I floated around the idea for just a, a very brief second of maybe putting Lucas Zeller on in that role. And it's not because he wasn't good because he was good. He was better than most of the players on that pitch. But if you look at expectations versus delivery that's where you can really start nitpicking this this best worst or worst best or however I say it I change it every time I say it that's where you can really get into fine-tuning that position because there's guys you really expect a lot from who didn't deliver and I can't believe I forgot to mention it in the match uh we're gonna jump back real quick to a guy who didn't deliver who just in one moment but it's one moment can change an entire matchup and we had a shot Artur pulled off a pretty good shot on goal, deflects right to Jossie in front of an open net six yards out, and he he heads it off way out into no man's land. And uh, does that earn him a worse best? Probably not. But if Jossie was more clinical on that finish, Columbus wins this match. And that that was a that was a really disappointing miss. Yeah, it, I'm glad we're bringing it up because it, it obviously caused me some heartbreak. I don't know. There was some discussion on the broadcast on if he was off sides or not. I don't know. Haven't looked at it. Um, 
and I know it bounced kind of off Blake at him pretty quickly. Um, but at the end of the day, offsides or not, coming back at you quickly or not, I think that's one that you would like to see and expect Jossie's artist to convert. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Say he didn't see it, too quick of a reaction. First game of the year. He hasn't played a real defense yet, except today, obviously. Um, if he's missing that in July, I will be much, much worried. <laughs> and Jossie's not one, uh, at least in current form, He's not one to not deliver on that clinical finish usually. And you could actually, you can see it on his face. He ended up being subbed immediately out for BWP. I don't think it was a result of that play. I think Phillips was already ready to come on the pitch, but you saw Jossie like, really? That's, that's, that's what I'm going off the field on tonight. Yeah, it was, I know, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I do think it was, it was comical. I was watching the game with my, um, my roommate who's not really a soccer guy. And he was like, He's, he thought it was a direct result of that mess, and the coach was like, oh, "You know, get your butt on the bench now," which was which was humorous. But um, yeah, if he's if he's missing that in July, I think I'll be much more worried. And hey, if he is missing it in July, um, there's this guy Bradley Wright Phillips who's going to come on and play. <laughs> so we'll be all right. So before we get out of here, a little bit of a little bit of house cleaning. Firstly and foremostly, just like Columbus Crew, I'm not in midseason form. And uh, I have a segment I love to do called hashtag my crew review. And uh, I completely forgot to do it. So I don't have any micro reviews because I forgot to post the thread. So I, uh, I pulled a Jossie. I missed the header right in front of the open net. And uh, it, it completely went off into space. I completely forgot to do it. I was watching this match. Usually I do it like with five or 10 minutes left in the match. Cause a lot of times the match is decided by then this match had me invested where it was like, back and forth and back and forth and just until literally about right now I didn't even think about it so uh, to any of the listeners who normally contribute to that and I have a lot who are pretty faithful about hitting it every single time deeply apologize sorry about that we'll get it next time I promise and uh, we're gonna go to predictions but before we go to predictions for the next matchup Adam you were my best best co-host and it wasn't even close for the night. So why don't you tell these people where they can find you? Yeah. My uh, Twitter is at the Adam Miller. one um, Yeah. So I'm on there pretty frequently. My Instagram, I think is Adam Miller. one, no spaces. Um, but yeah, I'm on, on Twitter a lot talking about the crew, tweeting about the crew, writing for massive report. Um, do a lot of game previews. Going to try and do some more reaction stuff um, this season, but yeah. Give me a, give me a follow. We can we can talk about the best team in the in the world. You know, and before we before we move on to my plugs, uh, something you've never done on the show, and I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, you are actually also a coach of soccer, which a lot of people may or may not know. And uh, I've I've kind of gotten interested in that because of my relationship with you and being your friend. And I asked you, hey man, why don't you uh, let me know where I can watch these matches? And and you have, and I've been able to watch some of them. And and you're coaching a great team. Why don't you go ahead and plug the uh, the social media of the of the of your team and, and let people know where they can watch if they if they're ever interested. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so I coach at Northwest Nazarene University, which is just outside of Boise, Idaho. Um, yeah. The the Twitter, if I'm remembering correctly, is at NNU Men's Soccer. Um, we tweet out all the links to our games. Um, you know, a couple hours or so before. So if you're interested, 
uh, we're actually done for this spring. So it's a little bit of a late plug, but um, we'll be playing obviously again in the fall and back to a full non-COVID season, which we're excited about. So yeah, if you um, are interested in watching some college soccer and watching a team hopefully play like the crew do, then, um, you know, it'd be a, be a, maybe an enjoyable experience. So yeah, give us a follow. And, and like I said, we'll tweet out the links and, and, you know, we'd love, we'd love the support and um, yeah, I'd be happy if you guys could, could follow along. And you guys have some wicked merch. I got a, I got a real nice scarf that I've been rocking. I'm not rocking it quite at this moment anymore because it's starting. The weather's starting to turn. It's getting a little toasty sure. out, but sure. uh, absolutely, got, got plenty left. If anybody wants one, Andrew will send you a picture. They, they are nice. They're very nice. I'll throw one out on the twitters. And uh, speaking of the twitters, you can find me at Andrew Atkins SC. I don't have an Instagram. I'm too old for all that. You can find <laughs> this show on Twitter at Crew Review Pod. For all your crew news, updates, and analysis, go to MassiveReport.com. You can follow them on Twitter at MassiveReport. And there are a lot of guys at MassiveReport doing a lot of really good work right now. So make sure you're following them, and uh, you're going to get all, all the crew news you could possibly handle. So before we get out of here, uh, we've already – we talked last uh, – on the last pod with, uh, with Drew Nickham a lot about Monterey and about the CCL. So we're going to – we're going to skip over that. Sorry if you had a lot that you wanted to say about that, but uh, okay. we're going to skip right into the next MLS competition for Columbus crew. Now I can't for the life of me pronounce this team anymore. It <laughs> used to be Montreal impact. Now it's a bunch of weird words. CF Montreal is what we're going to call them. Cause that's their abbreviation. Uh, the first time crews ever played that team, because for whatever reason, everybody in the league has to change their logo and their name nowadays. So at, yeah. at least it's not Montreal United, I guess. But that's our next yeah. that's our next team up. That's Crew's next challenge. How are you feeling about that match? Where are you thinking the score is going to end up? Uh, I think it's going to be a great test, actually. Montreal smacked Toronto uh, the other day. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Um, and the more important, from my perspective at least, is it's a road game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crew were notoriously bad on the road last year um, and traveling with COVID and everything will be tough. I would love to see the crew get three points on the road. I think it's much more realistic to expect a draw. So I'll say one, one um, and then we'll come back home. I think we play DC the week after. So we'll get our first one of the first one of the year that day. But yeah, I think one, one is, is probably fair. I don't like lining up exactly with my co-host because it creates for some some boring audio, I suppose. But I had a uh, I had a one-one draw against Montreal because the same reasons you said it's on the road and uh, we're still seeing some some early season form. And then I had a three-one victory over DC United. As but we'll get into that more in the future. So that's exactly where I'm feeling, man. And uh, Adam, I just want to say it's been really good talking to you again, man. I miss you. You're my buddy and. Uh, I, I love the passion you have for soccer, the passion you have for Columbus crew. Uh, being next to you at MLS Cup really heightened the experience for me. So it's it's always a pleasure, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you and having you on the show. I appreciate you having me on. I love the show. Um, appreciate all the work you do for it. I know there's a lot of people who are who are listening, and um, you know you're you're a regular part of my podcast experience experience throughout the week and I, I love coming on and, and always willing to talk about the crew and no matter what happens you and I will always have uh, MLS Cup to remember so very fond memories and ones I won't won't soon forget we sent 
historic crew stadium trademark out with a bang and i cannot wait to uh to welcome in new crew stadium trademark with a mls <laughs> cup victory also so i'll, I'll see you there for that that's a different stadium this december yep absolutely i can't wait for it but that's it for us we reviewed the crew we did a good job we we wrapped it all up so i'm ready to get out of here you ready to get out of here let's go i'm ready when you are bud all right well as always for mass report I'm Andrew Atkins, joined today by Adam Miller, and uh, this has been the Crew Review. Glory to Columbus, go crew, and we will see you next time when we review the crew. Go crew.